Hey, welcome, Valley family. This is, uh, this is the final week, the big finale uh, of our series called The Daniel Dilemma, week number four. And uh, man, I hope you've been getting as much out of this as, as actually I have in preparing it and studying through the, the book of Daniel. Uh, let me do a quick review for those of you that uh, may have missed out all of these messages, except today's, is, uh, are on our website. Week number one, we talked about just this whole idea of uh, compromise uh, in the culture, that, that uh, we can learn these life lessons of, of how to stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise. Week number one, we looked at the Hebrew people that were taken captive in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was the king at the time. And one of the first things that they tried to do was to change their name, change their identity, to rename them, to tag them. And uh, that's what culture tries to do today as well. Uh, so vividly we see that every day. And that's what that whole message was about, really culture's greatest goal. And then uh, week number two was really, I would put it this way, culture's greatest test. And that was the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace with the golden image uh, that the Babylonian nation uh, and king said, you have to bow down when we tell you to, and you have to bow down to what we tell you you have to bow down to. And they refused to do that, and, and so that's really a great test there, bow down and worship what we say when we say, and they stood instead, found themselves in a fiery furnace, and uh, Jesus himself appeared and delivered them there. So that was week number two, culture's greatest test. Last week, we probably call that culture's uh, greatest sin, and it was all about the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, you know, we, we realized there that we're either going to humble ourselves or we will be humiliated. The choice is up to us and King Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind for seven years, acting like a cow, eating grass, and then God restored him back to his place. So uh, today's the finale. We could go longer. There's more in the book of Daniel, but I just really felt like we need to move forward. Uh, but this is week number four, and we're going to look at culture's greatest culprit. Culture's greatest culprit. And if I could summarize it this way, I, I think what we're going to see here in Daniel chapter five is uh, culture wants to use the good to keep us away from God. He wants to use the good things in life to distract us and draw us away from God being first in our lives and really being foremost. In other words, kind of just be casual when it comes to your relationship with God. Don't, don't be full-hearted. Don't, don't put him first. Don't, don't, don't make it a priority. Just kind of, oh, you know, just kind of slide on through there. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn, or you can check out our website, actually, valleyny.cc, you'll see my message notes. That's probably like 98% of my notes that I have in front of me that are on those notes right there. And I actually have a little special something for you I'll draw your attention to uh, as we move our way through. So Daniel chapter 5, this is now uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, uh, who's the king. And Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, says, King Belshazzar, that's again his son, gave a great banquet for thousands of his nobles and drank wine with them. Now while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So I just want to point out something here. When it talks about all, 
Oftentimes in the Bible, when it talks about drinking wine, when it talks about drunkenness and all, understand that, yes, that's going on, but what, they're, what the Bible is talking about is a culture, an atmosphere around it. It's party, it's laid back, it's if it feels good, do it. I mean, these guys are throwing down, they're having a major house party in the palace right here, and, and then it's kind of the, the pinnacle of it, everyone's drinking, frolicking, and doing all matter of whatnot, and then he says, you know, bring in those silver and gold goblets that my daddy took from the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, these were holy, set-apart goblets that, that were in the actual temple uh, for the Jewish people. And look at what happens. It goes on and it says, so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they're going to be casual about the things of God. They're going to treat things that are supposed to be holy, and, and they're going to treat them as if they're ordinary, they're common, no big deal. So they brought the golden goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. You can see they're having quite a party. All his wives and his concubines are there. It goes on and it says, As they drank the wine, they praised the gods, Notice, not capital G, lowercase. They praise their idols, their false gods, the gods of gold and silver, of bronze and iron and wood and stone. All the stuff. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared. Think about this. A dismembered hand is probably what all of a sudden is floating in the air. Human hand appeared and wrote, on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace, and the king watched what the hand, uh, the king watched the hand as it wrote. And so he writes, we're going to look at in a minute exactly what this hand just appears. And what it really is, is this is the hand of God. And uh, maybe you've heard this saying before it's a colloquialism. Yeah, that's what it is. It's hard to say, but it's a colloquialism. And, and uh, you ever heard this saying, oh, he saw the handwriting on the wall. It refers back to Daniel chapter 5. People that don't even believe in the Bible, oh, he saw the handwriting, uh, handwriting on the wall. And what that generally means is impending doom. When someone says, I saw the handwriting on the wall, that means like impending doom or destruction. And that's exactly what happened. And so what... Uh, what, what ends up happening is he calls in Belshazzar, his wise men, his sorcerers, all this, and he goes, tell me what this means, what this hand wrote on the wall. They don't know. They, they, they can't make heads or tails of it. And then someone actually says, you know what? There was that guy Daniel. Remember him? He served your father. And uh, he could interpret stuff like this. Why don't we have him come in? And so they invite Daniel in to interpret what this dismembered hand wrote on the wall. In verse 23, he interprets it. And it says, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. He, he kind of refers to him like, you ought to know better because of what happened to your daddy. This is what we talked about last week. I said, instead, you set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You treated the things of God casually. You didn't recognize God's holy, he's set apart, and he's serious. Don't lose sight of this. This is really important. It goes on and says, 
You praise the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood, which cannot see or hear or understand. In other words, he's like, you praise these idols, they can't see, they're mute, and they don't comprehend. But the God you're treating casually does all those things. He sees, he knows, and he understands what you're doing. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. You treated God as common and ordinary. Take it or leave it, not really important, certainly not the center of my life. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. So this is pretty shocking. Like Daniel, again, you know, he's taking a stand. He's being bold for God. And he begins to explain what this handwriting on the wall is all about. So, so what, is the, what is the handwriting on the wall? This is the message, literally. We find it in verse 25 of Daniel chapter 5. It says, this is the inscription that was written, and this is what mene mene teko person. Now, this is pretty funny because the, handwrite, the, the hand of God here writes this in a language they don't understand. So think about that. This is a huge warning of really impending doom that, that's coming upon the king, Belshazzar. And God's hand writes it in a language the guy doesn't even understand. The only one that really does is Daniel. And so they have to call for him. And so mene mene teko parson, which really translated means numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. In other words, I've numbered your days, I've numbered your days, I've weighed your actions, I'm going to divide it. I'm going to destroy you. You're going to die. How'd you like that for a dinner party? Kind of creepy, isn't it? Kind of macabre. And so it goes on and says, this is what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Daniel says, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's all over. God has lost patience with you because you've been casual with him. Man, this, is, this, this could not be a more timely message for the day and age in which we're living right now, here in October of 2020. So what happens when we get real casual with God? What, what, what happens when we treat him as common, when we treat him as ordinary? What does that look like? Well, there's a number of things that happen. The first one is this. We forget that our days are numbered. We forget that we all have limited time. This is what happened. Anytime you think, anytime I think I've got a lot of something, I tend to squander what that is. But anytime that you and I tend to think we have little of something, what do we do? We treasure it and we value it. You know, it's like when you're growing up, I remember, you know, uh, make sure you close the door. We're not trying to cool the neighborhood. Turn off, turn off the lights you're not in the room, turn off the lights. Don't leave a fan running if nobody's in the room, all that stuff. Because we didn't have two nickels rubbed together when I was growing up. Get a little, you know, a little jingle in your pocket, a little change walking around town, change. Uh, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's not a big deal. We left the lights on. We were gone for six hours. You know, and when you think you have a lot of something, uh, you, you tend to squander it. When you realize that it's very, very limited, you tend to value it. 
And what happens to us, we forget our days are numbered. We, we kind of think everybody deserves and is owed 80 years. And God's like, no, not at all. Every day is a blessing. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. That's what Scripture says. It's not promised to anybody. And so we tend to think that our days are numbered. This is what Daniel says in verse 27 of Daniel chapter 5. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. He's saying, you are wasting the days that God has given to you because you're casual with him and with the things of God. He's weighed you on the scales, and he's like, he gave you breath, and you're forgetting about him, and you're being casual in your approach to him. We forget our days are numbered. Here's the next one. We allow our lives to get out of balance. We allow our lives to get out of balance when we're treating God as common, as casual. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, puts it this way. I love this good, good news translation. Maybe so, but it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. You know, when we had the shutdown for COVID-19, couldn't go anywhere, there was a lot of, a lot of pressure, a lot of, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. A lot of people reevaluated what was really important. And we realized things that were really important was like faith, faith in God, family, even the family of God, and our families as well, things we just took for granted. Now that it's more open than ever before, I mean, not here, we're still at limited capacity in our church services, it's amazing how so many people just jump back into the busy, crazy, hectic schedule. And that's, that's what Ecclesiastes is saying. Listen, it's better to have only a little, but have peace of mind than be, than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. And I think that's a good description of a lot of Christians right now. They're trying to catch the wind, trying to make up for lost time and forgot about God in the rear view. Just like this story. Just like what happens in this story. So the handwriting on the wall, this is really a warning to all of us as God's people that, that God, and that's part of my responsibility as your pastor is to warn you, to, to warn you not to treat God as casual, not, not to, you know, kind of be relaxed and all, oh, I'm just chill, you know, I just squeeze him in when I got a chance. Don't do that. The end result is harmful and very, very dangerous and destruction. And we see that here. Daniel chapter 5, verse 28. Daniel interprets the next word, Perez. And what does that mean? Divided. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. These were the enemies of the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians. And he says, your kingdom has been divided because you've treated God casually. Your kingdom has been divided. That, that, that division means uh, really something's about to be destroyed. When we treat the things of God casually, our marriages are going to be divided. Our marriage. Our families are going to be destroyed, divided. Our health 
our peace, our finances. When we forget about God and we treat him as common and ordinary, God says there's a reckoning that's going to come. So we need to take this to heart, this account in the book of Daniel. Because you know what happens? The third thing is this. We ignore the warning signs. This is a warning. He'd been warned over and over in reality. God had warned his father. That's what we looked at last week. And so we forget our days are numbered. We think we got all the time in the world. Uh, we, we allow our lives to get out of balance instead of what really is important, what really is going to count for time and eternity. And we ignore the warning. Just here, here's some warnings, and, and when we see these things, we ought to kind of like stop and pause because God's trying to get our attention because we're drifting away from him. We're not putting him first. He's not first of the week. He's not first every day, and, and we're just drifting. Warnings like this, the risk of sinful choices begin to increase. We start, could I put it this way? We start to see more of the sinful options than our Savior because it's been a long time since he's had our undivided attention and he's had our focus. So the risk of sinful choices begins to increase when we don't see the warning signs. My emotions begin to get inconsistent. We, we tend to be high, low, and we never kind of find that just middle range it's always just one extreme to another and, and and we say things maybe it's a you know dad mom popping off at the kids or at the boss or something like that and in our minds we're thinking that just doesn't sound like me you're right you're drifting you're drifting you're treating God as casual we're ignoring the signs I'm less productive we become less productive we just don't get as much done any longer. It's so interesting, just in my own personal life, the more disciplined I am personally, like the more productive that I am. Like I, I get probably, I don't know, 70% of my work done before 10 o'clock every morning. I get so much, so much more, that's the most productive time from the time I wake up to the time about 10 o'clock, productive, because discipline, very, very regimented. But when I begin to drift, I'll lose those, could I put it, holy habits, priorities, not nearly as productive as I once was. And then this warning sign, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. I was talking to somebody recently, actually, and uh, they said, I just have a, tr I'm having a struggle hearing God. And uh, I had to just tell him, like, When's the last time you were in church? January? God's still talking. It's just we're so busy. And the Bible makes it clear. He's always talking. But look at this, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Be still and quiet not in a hurry, not I'm going to give God a little shout out and get on to the next thing. Be still and know that I'm God. 
we ignore those warnings. And I share those with you so that we will not ignore those warnings, but we'll take them to heart and that we can really turn it around. And so I want to share with you now in the remainder of our time some turning points. How can we turn it around? How, how can you turn it around if you say, you know what, Greg, I, I do feel like I'm drifting. I, I do recognize, you know, I said I was going to make God a priority, and I'm just finding hard just, just to even open my Bible at home. Forget about once a day. How do I turn this thing around? Well, let's go back to Daniel. Daniel chapter 5, verse 29, says, Then Belshazzar's command, uh, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. He said, whoever interprets this, watch this, whoever interprets this, this handwriting on the wall, the, the, the message there that was written, uh, I'm going to reward him. And he said, this is what I'm going to reward him with. And Daniel gets it. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, like he had this big old medallion, like the royal seal on that. And he was proclaimed, look at this, the third highest ruler in the kingdom. One third. At this time, uh, I heard recently, like scholars kind of believe, Daniel's probably about 80 years old here. When he was first taken captive, he's about 15. And he actually served four different kings in that lifespan, in that time, from 15 to well up into his 80s. But it's not the end of the story. It goes on and it says, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. See, when we don't heed the warnings, there is a time of reckoning that's coming. And that's why we need to listen when God is warning us. And, and I hope you're listening. I hope you ha I have your attention. More than that, I hope God has your undivided attention right now. Because just as God said, think about that handwriting on the wall at dinner, he's dead before daybreak. That's how fast that it actually happened. And so how do we turn this around? turning points. Well, here's the first thing I think. I think it's important that we live with a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency. Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. When, when, when you understand what your purpose is, why God created you, why he put you on the planet, you know what? You live with that sense of purpose. You don't have time to just waste because you have a sense of destiny. You have a a sense of personal calling and destiny. That's why we have growth track here at Valley. Uh, growth track that happens every single Sunday at 9 o'clock here at our, our church, our Hopewell campus. This, this is a gift to you. We don't, we don't have to do this. We don't need to do this as a staff. It's a gift to you. So you'll discover why you're on this planet. And you can fulfill your God-given calling and destiny in, in the discovering the unique purpose, the, the personality that God created you with, and then how that fits into the family of God. Because you have a place in God's family, and that is to serve together, to build up together God's family in your spiritual family here Valley. And when you have that sense of purpose and destiny, you know what? You don't waste time. You're focused. 
And there's nothing that brings you fulfillment like fulfilling your purpose and your destiny. And you have a sense of urgency. I'm not going to waste time. You know, my own life, I'm in my 50s now. Uh, I like to think about it this way. The finish line is closer than the starting gate. And so as I recognize the finish line of my life is closer to me than the starting gate behind me. I don't want to waste time. I want to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God created me for. And I believe you do too. But sometimes we've got to be reminded of it because we're just drifting. I think, I think COVID has allowed us to just kind of drift. And some of us have gotten real, real casual about the things of God. Real comfortable, cozy. And we need to live with a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency. Psalm 39 puts it this way, verse 4 and 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This is the Bible, y'all. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. That kind of reminds me of how my hair is fleeing away. It's just fleeing. Every time, I, every time I cut it, just like less. It's fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand an entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is just a breath. Just a breath. Uh, I, I love the old country song. I think there's something to this. Uh, uh, it, it's called Live Like I Was Dying. What would you do if you knew you were dying? What would you, how, how different would your life look right now if you knew you only had 30 days left to live? I think that was Tim McGraw that, that recorded that a while back. Because here's the thing. Who said you even have 30 days? But we think we've got all the time, so we waste it and squander it. Instead, I think we should live like we were dying. Tomorrow's not promised. All we've got is today. Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Here's the second way to turn it around. Put first things first. I don't know any simpler way to put that. Than just put first things first. Jesus put it this way. This is red letter stuff. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at the Beatitudes earlier in the summer. Uh, this is the same exact sermon. But seek first his kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Put God first. Don't be casual. Not when it's just comfortable. Not when, not when it's convenient. Jesus said, don't, don't fall into that trap of being convenient and casual towards God. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and watch this, and all these things will be given to you as well. And literally, you can read up on it just above this, Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about food. He's talking about clothing. He, he's talking about, you know, enjoyment, all those things. He goes, put God first, and all these things will be given to you as well. Be casual. The inverse is true. Be casual with God just when he's convenient for you. When you got a little time, why not? You're going to chase after this stuff. And just like we looked at in Ecclesiastes, it's going to be like you're chasing the wind. You're exhausted. You're full of anxiety. 
your marriage is falling apart, your finances are in ruin, and you're looking for a fix anywhere except the one who can really help and heal. Put first things first. And so I, I want to just right now, as your pastor, I just want to share my heart with you. Because I've, I, I've been at this a long time now. And I just want to share a big concern that is on my heart. And I've discussed this with uh, the pastors on staff here at Valley. And it's on our heart now as I've just communicated what's on my heart. I'm not talking so much right now to those that in this COVID season that we're in, coronavirus, have pre-existing conditions that make you vulnerable. That's why we have this online campus. Uh, I'm not even really addressing this concern to those of you that work they can't be in church on Sunday. That's why we have this online campus. But I want to talk specifically to those, and this is where my heart is, that have gone back and filled up their schedule with every activity, event, and experience and have left Jesus on the sideline. Just taking a real casual when it's convenient, approach to the Son of God in your life. And my heart's breaking for you. And I'm really, really concerned that you're drifting. This isn't about filling up the church. We already have three services. I preach four times a week now, the same message. It's not, you know, some ego thing for me. It's not because we need finances. Our finances are really fine. They're very, very healthy. I'm concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about the long-term danger that you may not even realize you're in right now because you're putting other things and other people ahead of God, ahead of God's family. You know, online campus is great, but it's, it's like a vitamin. No one can live on just vitamins. You, you need real food. There, there's something about when you come into a room full of people and you worship Jesus Christ and you know you're not alone and you lift your hands and you sing from your heart where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I'm in the midst of them. That gather together for that express purpose. Anyone will tell you, everyone will tell you, we were all nothing but online. It ain't the same. It's not the same as when we seek first Jesus. Not nine o'clock on a Sunday night after we've done all the other events. That's not what online campus is for, y'all. It's not so we can squeeze everything, squeeze all this in, and then we'll seek him sixth, seventh, maybe tenth out of the day. That's not the point. And so I just want to ask you, is your faith stronger in Jesus today than it was six months ago? Is your family stronger? Is Jesus at the center of every decision? Does he come into the conversation regularly?
Or are you treating the things of God casually and conveniently? I think for some, I just want to say, it's time to come back. It's time to come back and put God first. I'm not talking about those that are aged, although it's amazing just the cross-section of people that we see every single week. I'm not talking about high risk. I'm not talking about people that work. I'm talking about soccer ahead of the Savior. That's right, I said it. I'm I'm talking about NFL ahead of J-E-S-U-S. Whatever it is, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. You know, I think it's important to kind of set some sort of, when are you going to come back to church? If you haven't had that conversation, as a, if you're married with your spouse, I think it's an honest conversation. What's the trigger going to be when we actually put God first again in our weekly schedule? Is it when there's, a, you know, um, an immunization that comes out? When's it going to be? If you're waiting for the nightly news to tell you it's okay to go back to church, that's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. In fact, I want to draw something to your attention. It's in your notes uh, on our website. Let's look at some of the facts of just, just what's happening actually in our community. Not in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in our community. This is the Dutchess County dashboard. This is what actually is happening in terms of COVID, and it's updated every 24 hours. The link, just press the button in the sermon notes. It'll take you right over there. But, but just look at this, for instance. Key thing to remember is, at the time of this recording, there are 295,000 people, roughly, in Dutchess County. 295,000. Do you know how many people currently, at the time of this recording, are hospitalized between the three hospitals in Dutchess County, hospitalized because of COVID, out of 295,000, 10. 10 people. This many. Out of 295,000. Those are the facts. Of the 295,000 people, there have been 182,000 tests completed. And that number is just going up higher and higher. Almost two-thirds of the entire population of the county have been tested for COVID. Right now, current active cases, 126 out of 295,000 people. And, and so we hear the nightly news, confirmed cases, 5,214, recovered, 4,927. And you can look, and you can actually look up your town and see how many actually in the town. We need to give God glory and praise for what he has done. It's not over, but, but the nightly news, they don't want to tell you this. This is Dutchess County, right where we live. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, are we being motivated by fear? Because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a demonic spirit. It's a spirit. But power, love, and a sound mind. And I think sometimes we've allowed fear instead of facts. And this has been out since like March, something like that. Every day, update. You can go back in the history and see how much it's changed. We have had, heartbreakingly, sadly so, 161 fatalities 
since March, total, since March due to COVID. And in the whole entire Mid-Hudson Valley, 2% positive rate. Not just Dutchess County, 2% for the entire Mid-Hudson Valley. I think, I think that's four counties or five counties. 2% positive. And so this gives you a much, much better picture of what's really happening. Since we opened up in July, having services in person, following all the CDC guidelines and all the things that the state requires, capacity limits, we're not aware of one person who has tested positive for COVID in that time. So when are, you, when are we going to see you again? It's not for my sake. It's for yours. I'm concerned. We're concerned. I, I'm already preaching the same message four times each week. If I've got to do it five or six, I'm going to do it because I love you. That there, there's, there's no benefit to me, but there's a huge benefit to you. And so, put first things first. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Not second or third. And all these things will be added to you. And here's the third turning point. Do it now. Do it now. In our walk with Jesus Christ, we always have to have a sense of urgency. Over and over, we see through the Bible, just give me one more day. I'll do it tomorrow, not right now. And it never ends up well putting the things of God off until some other day. Do it now. A great example of this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. The Bible says, I tell you, now is the time. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not 2021. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Do it now. And so I hope you heard this message today. I hope you've heard my heart for, for those of you that uh, have been challenged by it. God's got better for you. Don't settle for a casual, inconsistent, convenient relationship with Christ. It's time to put him first. Because the culture, the greatest culprit is busyness and all kinds of good things that keep us from God's best. This is what happened to King Belshazzar. And I don't want that in your life or in your family. So let's learn the lesson. And let's respond and do it now. In the day of salvation. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word that even this historical event becomes a prophetic event in our lives when we take to heart the lessons from this book of Daniel. Lord, many of us are facing a dilemma, a dilemma of are we going to allow the culture to tell us what we're supposed to do or are we going to really stand for you, put you first, and love well in a culture of compromise? God, I pray for your courage to make the right decisions that glorify you 
that put Jesus on the throne of our hearts every day, every week, every month. And God, I pray not only for the courage to make the right decisions, but Lord, even the hard decisions that we'll make the ones that really are gonna be for our best and going to bring much glory to Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your word, and now may we live it out. In Jesus' name, amen.